0: Welcome to the Turning Point Church podcast. We pray that this message takes root in your heart and bears fruit in your life. For additional messages and other resources, you can visit us at www.tpoint.church.
1: This this story series, we are hearing stories from what God has done in the body of Christ. Uh, our stories are powerful. Our stories have so much so much effect to them we don't realize uh, the power of our words that's what stories are it's a words together words that form sentences that form paragraphs that form chapters that form books that complete the story and so um, we're going to uh, jump into this we're going to hear some some stories this morning and I'm going to hand it to, to miss Leah but before we do I just want to again thank our our wonderful, team, uh, our staff, and those who volunteered to help put this thing together. Uh, This has been a a great undertaking, and they've done a phenomenal job. I wonder if you could show your appreciation to our team and our staff for all they've done. Miss Leah, take
2: it. Hi, guys. So last week, we talked about story. We talked about the importance of story, the power of story, how we all have our own individual stories. But we also talked about why we should be sharing them, how we could identify God in our stories and why your God stories are a lot more than just about the moment that you got saved, that he's evident in a lot of stories within your life. And we should be sharing those because no one should live without the hope of Jesus. Amen. Can we all agree on that? But today is all about love. And I am really excited about today because I love love, Um, so much so that I say I was born just a few hours before Valentine's Day because I did not want to miss it, or the 90% off candy that follows the next day. (laughs) Um, But I can tell you that sometimes, can I get another amen? Can I get an amen? Sometimes love ain't fair. Can I get another amen? Sometimes love will make you lose your hair, right dad? Okay, mom says he lost his hair before her, so it was not was not her fault. Uh, but really, I am am 39, and I am still single. I have officially reached what I like to call the no shame zone. So if you'll look at the screen, this is my phone number. (laughs) This is my real phone number. If you see a man of God that appears to be sober, employed, and able to walk down an aisle. If you would text his exact coordinates to my phone number. Any recommendations resulting in marriage will receive a front row seat and a backstage pass to the wedding of the century. I guarantee it. (laughs) No shame, no shame. I have spent all night preparing for today. I binge-watched the Hallmark Channel all weekend long, (laughs) so I feel fully prepared, in the mood for love. Um, The first couple on our couch today is going to be Mike and Marikar O'Donnell. Fall in love, right? We're, We're all looking for that. That's one of the stories that we're waiting in our life to happen. Well, they've got a great one. At 40, Mike was single and very ready to mingle, but no woman in America could win his heart. His best friend, Stephen Carlton, who's also a part of us, you may know him, sent him, said he needed to go and visit some friends and family of his in the Philippines. So off he flew to the Philippines. Mike's friends, Mike's family there, friends and family had a plan, so they begged the reluctant Maricar to come to the airport it was love at first sight Mike even had those hearts shooting out of his eyes but things turned serious when Mike couldn't sleep in the Philippines because of the time change so he prayed all night long to pass the time during the prayer time God told Mike that Maricar was the one Four days later, he proposed. It's a good one. Yep, yep, yep. <laughs> and Carr, after having only known Mike for a few days, said yes, because God had told her the same thing. They celebrated with Marikar's slightly skeptical family. <laughs> and Mike flew back to the U.S., over the next nine months, they had a long-distance relationship. But then Mari Carr came to the U.S., and within one month, they were married. And they will be celebrating their two-year wedding anniversary next month in April. Please, <laughs> could we could we get them some microphones, please? <laughs> They need to be heard. (laughs) Is it on? That's a good question. All right. Well, I want to uh, thank you for being so courageous to sit up here in front of everybody and tell your story, first of all. I know that can be really nerve-wracking. And I've tried to give them a heads-up as to what questions I'm going to ask, but with me, you just never can tell. So... I might go off script. I'll I'll, I'll try to be good. But um, Mike, why don't you tell us a little bit about where you were at at 40 and being single, where you hadn't been married before. So where were you at as far as the hope of finding love, the hope of meeting someone? Tell us a little bit about that.
3: Um, Through the years, I wasn't, there was a time when I was younger, I wasn't worried about meeting anybody really. And focused on serving God, and but the older I got, the more I realized eh, I'm getting old. But, <laughs> uh, so I was discouraged sometimes. But coming up in my year of jubilee, wow. and and I was claiming that even through the end of 2016, so I knew something was coming, and God was really speaking to me during that time. Yeah.
2: And so your your friend Stephen Carlton he convinced you to go to the Philippines. And uh, and meet some of his family there and friends, right? Yeah. So, uh, Marikar, how did your family convince you to go to the airport to, to meet this stranger?
4: Actually, they, they did not convince me at all. <laughs> <laughs> um, I was actually praying to God, and I said, Lord, is this really your plan for me? Do you really want me to go there at the airport and see, you know, a total stranger, you know? And I don't really like, you know, that idea at all. And I said, uh, Lord... Just let your will be done. Okay, I'll go. You know, whatever you like, you, know, you want me to do, I'll go. I'll follow you. So that's it.
2: So I have to know, what, what were your thoughts when you first saw each other? Now be real. <laughs> what, what <laughs> Maricar, what, what did you think of Mike? Let
4: me 1st <laughs> make you go first. <laughs> actually, the first time I saw him, you know, going down the ramp um, at the airport, I actually said to myself that he is so cute. You know, that was the first thing I actually thought in my mind, you know. And I said, he he actually looks very gentle and very kind. You know, I already felt the Holy Spirit in him.
2: That's so good. That's so good. Yeah, y'all can applaud. Feel free. (laughs) All right, Mike, what did you think?
5: Um,
3: (laughs) It's a really long trip to get from here to the Philippines. Yeah. (laughs) So, and I hate flying, and I was tired, and I was kind of sick because I was nervous about flying. That's right. I
2: remember that. And I
3: wasn't feeling great. don't do well
2: on planes, right.
3: And her aunt introduced us. She was already over there, and she had told me that she wasn't going to introduce me to anybody, like, right then. I thought it was going to have a day for me and her to hang out, you know, whatever. And so I come down the ramp, and I see Mara standing with her aunt. I'm like, Oh, man. (laughs) Because I'm tired. I don't feel good. I probably stink because it's been like 30 hours of traveling. <laughs> Hadn't brushed my teeth that day. <laughs> I would, was not wanting to meet anybody right then. But she was pretty.
2: Yeah. We we can see, you know, you got blessed. <laughs> yeah. Blessed man. Um, so talk to me a little bit about what it was like when you weren't, uh, you get there and, you know, y'all meet and all that happens, but then it's nighttime and you're you're not sleeping well there because the the time change but uh, you know God starts speaking to you kind of what was going on during that time in you
3: uh, I should have written everything down at the time because my memory's not the best so I can't remember specifics about like what he said yeah. but I remember uh, they're 13 or 14 hours ahead of us okay. so it was completely opposite so I was just praying in the Holy Spirit and praying about you know after we'd met her it's like I knew God told me, like, he wanted me to go. He confirmed it many times. And uh, so then once I was there and we met, then I was praying, okay, is she the girl that I'm supposed to be with? And, but he kind of revealed that to me too.
2: So while you're praying in the middle of the night, God, God impresses on you, you're going to marry this girl. And so, but you're, you're in another country. So what, what made you decide to go ahead and do it four days later?
3: just God <laughs> that's that's not me at all that's not me at all too if you would have told me before that uh, that I would propose to her after four days I would have said you're crazy mm-hmm. but I knew that God had spoken to me yeah and that was that was all I needed
2: yeah so how did you tell Mary how did you go to a girl you've just met four days ago I mean you have to be a little nervous that she's gonna say no right I so was
3: more nervous than I am right now. <laughs> But uh, in front of her whole family.
2: In front of her whole family?
3: After four days. He is
2: bold, (laughs) y'all.
3: And I couldn't breathe, and I was redder than I am now. (laughs) And at first she said, I asked her, and she said, she looked at her mom, and she said, I can't. So then I asked her again a day or two later, and then she, I finally got the yes. Was it the next it was the, next day, yeah, it the, next the same day. day was it the same day?
4: Yeah, it's, it was oh, it's okay. the same day, yeah. Persistent. I said yes. By
3: herself, when it was not in her family. So right.
2: you said no in front of your mom, but yes in private. Is that what you're saying?
4: No, I actually <laughs> said yes in front of him, in front of my family. But at first I was like, no, I can't. And I was looking at my mom, who was really mad, you know, <laughs> and I was like, what's going on? And I was like, okay. And I started praying, I said, Lord, is this really your plan for me? And then God said, yes. And I said, yes.
2: <laughs> so God said yes, so you said yes. Wow. Um, so tell me a little bit about how the long-distance part was. So then you're, you're engaged now to this man that you barely know, and then he flies away, and what, what happens next?
4: Actually, it was really hard, you know, having a long distance relationship, and um, you know, some, you know, there, there were actually some moments that I want to hug him, you know, whenever I'm sad and all that, but I couldn't do it because, of course, he was not there physically, so, yeah.
3: And the time difference was hard, you know, because it's opposite. Right. Right. So we would have to talk. She would be staying up way later than what she should, because she had to get up and go to work the next day too. But yeah, uh, it was kind of hard.
2: But if you really believed it was the thing that God was bringing into your life. You kind of, you make those sacrifices for love, don't you? Yeah. yeah. So then nine months passes by. Now, wait, there's a little, little side note here. You had just come back from the Philippines, and I didn't know any of this was going on. Mike and I, he's been in church for years and years, but, you know, we, we've probably had more conversation in the last year here than we've probably ever had, I would say, but God kept pointing you out to me for weeks, um, several weeks during service, and I so much God was really putting a burden on my heart for you about your wife, and I so much so that I followed him out to his car one one Sunday morning after service, said, I don't know, I don't know if you want to get married. I don't know if you're looking for that. I don't know if you're dating someone. But I just know that God is he's, its already settled. It's already done. You're—you have a wife, and she's coming, and it, you know it's going to be very soon. I did not know, you know, <laughs> he was—he <laughs> was already engaged, but I didn't know it.
3: You said three for the last three weeks. Yeah. You felt like that, and you finally came, and it was three weeks to the day that I had went over there and we had met. Yeah. it's wow, so. good.
2: So I felt like I had a part. We we prayed. You had the paperwork at that point yeah. for her to come over, and we laid our hands on the paperwork and prayed that that God would allow everything there to go smoothly, and that she would uh, get to be where He's He's uh, you know placing her where He's destined her to be, and here she is. So that's awesome. It's awesome. Um, so what was Maricar? It must have been really hard to leave your your country and your family. Can you talk a little bit about that?
4: Actually, you know, leaving my family is a huge sacrifice for me. You know, because I'm missing them every single day. You know, but I thank God, you know, because we have the technology right now. You know, I can talk to them, you know, see them every day through Messenger, you know. And uh, it's also, j- you know, it's just a blessing as well that I have Mike, who's a very, you know, kind husband, very responsible. And, uh, you know, and, of course, he has a very loving beautiful family. You know, they actually uh, make me feel like their own, you know, and it's just really, really good. And actually, my, you know, my Mike's mom and dad, they're always saying that, you know what, I feel like you're – my real daughter. You know, they're always saying that. So I feel like, oh, thank you. <laughs> <laughs> it's an honor. You know. <laughs> Seems like they're kind of, there are multiple layers.
2: God is all over this story, not just in bringing you together and directing you together, but uh, the blessings that He's brought into both of your lives through, through the families that you married into and all of that. That there's uh, those added parts of the story that. Or desires of your heart as well being fulfilled, because it's a God-written love story, Amen. 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 So, what what would you say to to someone who's single right now, um, and anybody else? You know, it's not all about me; it's all about love. But what would you say to to some single people who um, maybe don't feel a lot of hope right now, or or, or don't know if they believe in a in a God. I feel like I kind of had to get love out love story. What would you say? Uh,
3: I feel like I kind of had to get out of my own way. Kind of the mindset of, oh, I'll just sit back and you know, God will bring the right person. And he will. But then I also had to make an effort, and I had to do to seek Him and be diligent about seeking Him and find what He wanted. I couldn't just sit there and you know not do anything.
4: Maybe the only thing that I can say, um, um, always remember that, you know, his plans are not our plans, and his ways are not our ways. So it is actually our duty to remain faithful and seek God first. And you know, like, you know, in Matthew 6, 33, seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these things shall be added unto you. You know, and if you delight yourself in the Lord, he will give you desires of your heart. Oh, good. That's good. Y'all
2: give them a hand.
4: Thank you, thank you, thank you. That
0: were awesome. Thank
2: you. <laughs> <laughs> I need somebody to help me out a second. <laughs> next couple, okay? All right, we have another story. All right, the next. Couple on the couch today is a couple on the couch. I kind of liked that, you know. A little <laughs> is Keith and Teresa Duncan. Yeah. Keith and Teresa were high school sweethearts. Can we all say "aw"? Aww. They met at sixteen and were married at seventeen because they were so in love. With a baby on the way and just finishing high school, life got pretty serious pretty fast. They both worked two and three jobs to prevent their budding family. 25 years later, two houses, three kids, and a dog named Ben who only lasted a week, but that's another story. (laughs) They had completely lost themselves in the busyness of life. Loving their children by providing a great life for them, including dirt bikes and a swimming pool, they lost their focus on loving each other, and they decided to get a divorce. Both Keith and Teresa quickly married other people and started building separate lives. Unfortunately, neither of those marriages worked out. Ten years, Keith and Teresa had been apart. But God used a long lost friend to invite them to dinner and they were reunited. After all that time, God brought their family back together. And what a beautiful picture it is because they, along with some of their children, their grandchildren and their great grandchildren, all sit on a row together here at Turning Point every Sunday. And that one made me cry. (laughs) I'm crying already. (laughs) Um, Wow. It's it's quite a story, isn't it? Man. Keith, I want you to tell everybody a little bit about the first time that you met Teresa because you told me she was a little hard to get.
0: Okay. The first time that I met Teresa was at a (laughs) football game in Woodbury. I went to a football game with some of my friends, and I seen her and her sister and two of her friends, folk, something or another, and from that night, I knew that this was the woman that I wanted to be with, so after the ball game, she went her way, I went my way, and then the next weekend, I seen her and the, some of her friends and stuff again, and she rolled her window down basically about that much.
2: <laughs> <laughs> it just so sounds like my mom. <laughs> <laughs>
0: So I told her, I said, I really want to take and go with you and date with, you know, be with you. And she said, I'll think about it. So <laughs> anyway, the next, that night went through. And then the next weekend, we finally got to be on a date with her friends and my friends. And I told her that night that I wanted to marry her. And, but I, before I told her, the guy that I rode the Murfreesboro with the first or the second time, I told him on our way home back to Woodbury. That that would be the woman that I married and had my children with, and, and he was
2: sixteen.
0: I mean, and from that night forth, we was together.
2: I mean, it's sixteen. I just can't, you know. I mean, so you gotta watch these these young kids. I mean, sometimes, <laughs> I mean, you know, they know. They know when they know. He knew when he knew. You know, I I can appreciate that. You know, now uh, y'all y'all hold your mics up to your mouth just a little bit more so they don't have that ringing. I know it's a little scary night. But, Miss um, <laughs> Teresa, tell me, how did you know that he was the one, and he wasn't some crazy guy?
5: I just knew in my heart, and I just, I mean, I just felt it. I knew there it was. You go. Help her out. <laughs> Help her out. That's right.
2: That's what a relationship's about. See? Uh-huh.
5: Yeah. I just knew it was. I could feel it in my heart, you know, that it was the right one.
2: Yeah. Well, both of you seem pretty convinced to get to get married, uh, then a year later, or a little less than that, I think. But um, tell me a little bit what it was like as that young of a couple. You're 17, you got a baby on the way. Tell me a little bit about what that was like to uh, to build a life together at that young of an age.
5: It was hard, but, I mean, we had fun. You know, we was kids, <laughs> raising a kid. <laughs> <laughs>
2: <laughs> y'all said y'all worked a lot of jobs. We did. Yeah. We
0: always worked.
2: What kind of things did you do?
0: I've done the painting. I've done roofing. Uh, we run the cleaning business. I mean, whatever it took to make a living is what we did. You know. Yeah. I wanted my kids to have a better life than what I had. Yeah. You know, because I come from a torn down home, and I didn't want that for my children.
2: Yeah. And I, I know that it was important to you to provide for them. You said everything that they could want, you know, and that you became really focused mm-hmm. focused on that. Um, but I, I touched on this a little bit in the summary, and you mentioned it to me a little earlier today that y'all, even though you were together, you were next to each other, always together because you did a lot of your work together, you taking care of the kids together. But you weren't really one,
0: right? We always took everywhere I was. She was. You know, we worked together, we took, went to the ball fields together, we'd done everything together, but in our hearts, we were drawn further and further apart from each other. Mm-hmm. And that's what led to us being, ended up being in a divorce situation. Yeah. But as far as our hearts, I'll never stop loving this woman. Yeah. Never will I ever stop loving her. Yeah. But, you know, I'm probably getting ahead of myself, <laughs> so I need to calm down a <laughs> minute. No. <maybe.
2: laughs> no. Now, uh, tell me where, where was God at this time in your life? Were you attending church? Did you have a relationship with Him? Where Where does He fit in?
0: Yes, we was I uh, actually raised our children in Grace Assembly of God in Woodbury. Mm-hmm. We went there for 16, 17 years. We raised our children there. And then we moved to Murfreesboro. Elisha, we ended up giving her the house that we had. We stayed in Murfreesboro and attended a church, Lighthouse. Pentecostal Church here in Murfreesboro, and I was a deacon in the church at the time. You know, whenever we, things happened to happen, and you know, God was all we always had God in our relationship. You know, but we just drawn code with each other.
2: Yeah. <laughs> now, um, when it came to the to the decision point to, to decide to get a divorce. Tell me a little bit about, because you're Christians, you're in church, so I know you, you don't believe in that. You told me that. Right. So tell me a little bit about what's going through your mind. What are the feelings, what are the thoughts that you're having at that time?
0: When Amber, we first took, and she told me she wanted a divorce, she's like, let's, let's just separate first. So I took moved out. She helped me get my apartment fixed up. It was really nice, <laughs> but I didn't want to be by myself, you know. That's, that's what not you know, my plan. So, I just, it was crazy to me, you know.
2: You said you were experiencing some anger
0: oh, over I'm, God. You know, whenever we ended up getting a divorce, you know, like I said, I was a deacon in the church. We tithed. We was very faithful in church. If they had a chicken picking, I was pulling feathers. No matter what the <laughs> church was doing, we was involved. And whenever it was time to get the divorce, I got angry at God. You know, I like God. I'm doing everything I'm supposed to do. I, I pray, I read, I support the church. We tithe. Why did this happen to me? You know, I didn't understand it, but yeah. you know, God's ways is not my way. You know,
2: Teresa, what was going on with you at that time? Or, um, what were you feeling about the divorce?
5: I mean, it was hard. You know, you know, like I was telling you, you, know where I had a hysterectomy and I was going through all them hormones, and then I quit taking my medicines. And then you know it was just really hard.
2: You're experiencing a lot of changes and a lot of uh, a lot of different a lot of different feelings about yeah. more than just your marriage, I'm sure. And yeah, just but everything. that was a factor. Yeah, there, yeah, and uh, so but so you you end up getting the divorce and you're married to other people, but you still were connected because obviously you got three kids together, um, but you also worked at the same place. All through this time, right? So, tell me a little bit about how uh, you built a friendship through that time, through just working together.
5: We would talk to each other about our problems, (laughs) (laughs) you know. I mean, (laughs) and then we just become really close friends, being able to talk to each other about anything. Which it would have been good if we could have done that sooner, but (laughs) we didn't, you know.
2: Yeah. Said, uh, I think you you mentioned you you really became friends after you were divorced instead of while you were married, right?
0: We Ended up divorcing. A lot of it whenever, you know, after we ended up divorcing, we still worked for the same company. Still today, we work for the same company. Um, You know, I would sometimes talk to Tracer because I worked, you know, and I would just let her know some of the things that I was dealing with. I'd check on her with the kids. She'd check on me with the kids. It was just one of those things that we, we become great friends after we divorced, actually better friends now than we ever been from day one.
2: Now, after you have become reunited and you're making the decision to get remarried, I want to know what made you believe it's going to work the second time? What made you believe this person I've been with for 25 years and it didn't work, what what gave you the hope to try again and do this again? That's a good question.
5: <laughs> I mean, I don't know, because, like, we still loved each other, but we was just apart, but then it's like we just remarried. I mean, I don't even know why. And um, But, I mean... I guess we really, we just knew it really wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. You know, because we didn't love them like we did each other. Yeah.
2: yeah. I think what you shared with me, you had, you had hope that what you, I think what you shared with me a little bit earlier was that what you had learned about uh, compromise and forgiveness and all of that would make a difference.
5: Yeah, like whenever we got back together, you know, we, you know, which we've, Learn to forgive, and then, I mean, it's like none of that. I mean, like our past is our past. We never bring it up. We never talk about it. We just, you know, we it don't even come Start to it our over. minds. You know.
2: Yeah. You, uh, talk to me a little bit about the, the the compromise. How you've learned to compromise.
5: Well, he'll watch the Hallmark Channel <laughs> <you> with <know. laughs> me. I don't know if y'all heard that.
2: He'll watch the Hallmark Channel with her. That's what they've learned about compromise.
5: (laughs) And
0: then I'll watch sports with him. And she'll
2: watch sports with him.
0: (laughs) But, you know, the main thing is that what brought us back together is knowing that God put us together the first time. We allowed the devil to take and move us apart, but we knew that God would put us back together. And I prayed that even after we divorced. I prayed to God that you would give me back my family, and he did And I thank him for it. Wow.
2: Amen. 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 What would you say to someone right now uh, who is going through a hard time in their marriage, maybe contemplating divorce, maybe somebody who's going through a divorce? what, what What would you say to them?
0: To never give up the hope that God gave you to begin with. If anybody is in here having any kind of difficulties, pray to God. Love that woman the way you first did the first time you he met her. Never give up on the love.
2: That's so good. And
5: then just learn to forgive one another. And then don't ever bring up the past. Just, you know, put it under the blood and then just move yeah, forward. Good, yeah.
2: You don't spend a lot of time looking back, you said. You just spend time looking forward. Yeah. I think that's so good. Yeah. So good. Yeah. Thank you all so much for sharing. Thank you. Uh, your story with us today. Powerful, powerful stories.
1: I want to thank these couples again for for sharing their heart. Thank you for being vulnerable and thank you for giving God the glory for what he has done in your love story. One more time, can we show our appreciation to them? a great job in, in leading the interview what God has done. It's phenomenal to hear what God has done. You know You never know who it is that is sitting next to you. you can go to church with somebody for years. You can, you can work with them for years uh, and never know the depth of story. And um, the truth is is that every single one of us have a remarkable story every single one of us, we should never belittle our life and the story that God has written and, and, and not compare it in significance to someone else. That our story, each one of our individual stories is just as significant as the other. If God didn't see us as a necessary part of the story, he wouldn't have created us to begin with. The author of it all had the choice to either write us in or write us out, and he wrote us right into this story that is his. He wrote us in, every single one of us, by name he wrote us in. That's why we're here this morning. You know, we started with last week in chapter 1, tell me a story, and that was just really laying the foundation. This is really the first chapter of the stories, and why are we starting with love? I believe it's the best place to start. Why are we starting all of these chapters? Because with love, ultimately because it is love that is at the foundation of it all. It is a love story. This is a love story. Amen. Love is a many-splendored thing. That's why. Some of you know, Love lifts us up where we belong. Love lifts us up. I won't sing it. All you need is love. All you need is love. We were created out of love. We are saved by love. We're healed by love, delivered by love, forgiven because of love. 1 John 4.8 says this. Whoever does not love does not know God. Because God is love. God is love. So much so it's who he is. He gets, he is the definition of love, and therefore he is the only one who can define love. First Corinthians 13, you may be familiar with it, but I want us to look at it together. You don't have to turn there. I think the guys will put it up for us. Oh, they're ahead. 1 Corinthians 13, starting with verse 4. Let's look at it as though for the first time. Love is patient. Love is kind. Miss Markar, I love what you said about when you first you saw, saw Mike, you could tell he was a gentle and a kind man. Love that. It does not envy, it does not boast, it is not proud, it does not dishonor others, it is not self seeking. Oh, man, can we hear that right now? Can we hear that in our culture right now? It is not self-seeking. It puts someone else before yourself. It is not easily angered. It keeps no records of wrong. Didn't we hear that this morning? We don't go back to the past. It's under the blood and we leave it there. Even God operates that way. For our sake, He will not remember our sins any longer once they have been confessed and been forgiven. For our own sakes, for His sake as well, He will not remember them. Verse 6 Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. The truth. The truth. And we have a hard time with that sometimes separating. We want to separate love from truth. This culture wants to separate the love from truth, and that is not what God. The truth is love. The real truth is real love. You cannot separate the two. Verse 7, it always protects, always trusts, always hopes, always perseveres. Love never fails. And if you go down and you read verse 13, it says these three th- remain, faith, hope, and love. But the greatest is what, y'all? The greatest is love. I'm looking at these verses today with, with fresh eyes. Husbands, wives, in this room, let us all do the same. You know, the love that we're talking about, the love that is God, is fully encompassing. It's more than just romantic Love. Okay, those are the three three types of love. We're not going to go into all of that this morning. I'm just going to spend a couple minutes You've got the eros, the phylos, and the agape love, the eros being the romantic, passionate kind of, of love. It's the infatuation that you may have. It's the romantic you may be attracted to them physically that is the eros kind of love. And then you have the agape, uh, the phylos love, which is the, the love that you would have between like a brother and sister, a close friendship. Did you hear some of the stories even with, with Mr. Keith, Miss Teresa, uh, it, it was it may started it out as, as eros, Man, she looks good, he looks good. Started out as that, but then it took time for them to learn that phylos, which is is God God has called us to that, which is like a friendship. And then there's the agape love, which is the fully all-encompassing. That's what God has called us as brothers and sisters in Christ. It is love. It is the love that is described in 1 Corinthians 13 that we just read. That puts all these pieces together. You can apply every single one of those words patient, patient, kind, not envying, not boasting, all of that to every type of love eros, phylos, and agape. Fully encompassing love. In perfect love. For the greatest demonstration of love the earth has ever seen. For God so loved the world. How many know that one? All right, that was, that was around a long time before Tim Tebow put it on his face when he was a football player. John 3, 16, for God so loved the world that he gave out of his love. He so loved that he gave. No greater love has any man than this, than a man lay down his life for his friends. What we see in the picture here the stories of love. And we're more than friends of God we are sons and daughters of God. I love this verse. How great a love has the Father lavished upon us that we should be called the sons and the daughters of God. What great a love has the Father lavished on us to be called his sons and daughters. This is who we are. We've seen the love as defined by God come under attack. It's been under attack for a long time. The enemy wants to get us twisted on the definition of love. This is what he does. It's the same thing he did in the Garden of Eden. He twisted the word of God. He twisted it and contorted it so that it would be viewed as something else. And even the slightest contortion of his definition ends up being perversion. It takes us away from love instead of toward love. When you even look what... what, our young people are going through and what is, what is happening across our culture, we see that there is a, a missing of the mark when it comes to that romantic kind of love. The desire for husbands and, and, and wives and the thing is, is so messed up. It's just like you don't even sometimes know where to begin. And there's no mystery to it. There's no passion. There's no poetry. There's no poetry to the romantic kind of love. This culture has been so taught that it's, that it's all just about getting what you want. And so we have a culture just running around just trying to get what they want from somebody else. We used to say it like this, uh, the, the, you knew them in the biblical sense. Well, knowing someone in the biblical sense is not just about being naked together. I'm sorry y'all you're going to have to deal with this. I'm a recovering youth pastor. And so we just we 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 say these these things straight. Guess what? You can say things straight to your kids. Because someone else sure is. If love has been redefined, then intimacy has been redefined. And so we see intimacy only as as the part where, where someone is, is physically in contact with another. But true intimacy, what does the word of God say, is about knowing. How do we know that there's a difference? Because there's a lot of people who are hooking up who don't know each other. So just because you can be naked together doesn't mean that you know each other. And the knowing that God has called us to be as the people of God, the knowing that even comes back to him, it's a knowing. It's a bearing of one another's souls to each other. The physical is a representation of the spiritual. It's a parallel of the spiritual. And so it shows us, but not only that, they're tied together. They're tied together together. How do we know that? Because if you act in the physical, aren't there consequences to that, both physical and and supernatural and spiritual? My decision to enter into a temptation and go into sin is not just going to cause physical consequences. It's going to cause spiritual consequences. My heart is going to start to be pulled away from God, from his love. The word says this, husbands, love your wives as Christ loved the church and gave himself up. Gave himself up. We saw some husbands and wives here this this morning that were great examples. And for those of you here in this room, I I, want to tell you, keep being the example because if there was ever a culture that needs that example, it is right now. It is right now. He comes back and says, wives, love your husbands by submitting to them. Our children, they are the fruit of love between a man and a woman. All these things are important. As you've heard these stories this morning, I know there are things that are stirring in your heart. They've been stirring in my heart. And I praise God that his Holy Spirit is already active and already pulling us. In a few moments, we're going to have an opportunity. We're going, to, we're going to respond. Husband, you may need to grab your wife's hand and, and come up to this altar in a few minutes. You may need to, to, to say, come on, let's go. If you're in a situation where there, there are some things that need to turn around, maybe you need to, to, to come up and, and, and respond. The reason why I say that is because there is no such thing as too far away. There's no such thing. There's no such thing. Romans 8. If you don't, by the way, speaking of chapters, if there's a chapter that you need to know, it's Romans chapter 8. It begins with Therefore, there is now no condemnation to those that are in Christ Jesus. There are gems in that one such as if he would not spare his own son but give him freely for us, how will then he not with him freely give us all things? Says this at the conclusion. Paul begins to go on a rant about the love of Christ. Romans 8, 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall trouble or hardship or persecution or famine or even nakedness or danger or sword, as it is written, for your sake we face death all day long. We are considered as sheep to be slaughtered. Verse 37. No, in all of these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. There it is again. For I am convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor demons nor the present, nor the future, nor any powers, neither height nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus our Lord. Hallelujah to God. I believe God's word is powerful to stand on its own. Amen. Glory to God. Nothing can separate us from the love of God. He's even described as the lover of our souls. He's a jealous God. He gets jealous when our attention is divided and our hearts are elsewhere. He becomes jealous. I have this word that God gave me yesterday as we were praying, and I want to share it with you, and then we're gonna then we're gonna close. And he gave me two words, and it was this it was cold case. There are some. Of you that believe that the situation that you're in is a cold case, meaning that there's no more warmth to it, there's no more leads, there's no more there's no more hope. You see a a cold case in in. In investigation terms, is a a case. It's an unsolved mystery. That it seems like all of the leads have just gone cold and there's nowhere else to turn and it's just sitting there unsolved and it's just going to sit there unsolved until the end of time. That it is a cold case. Our heart into a, a cold case. We become cold to life. We become cold to morality. We become cold to others. We become cold and hardened against the love and the truth of God. And then God said this. He said, I'm taking the cold cases, and I am beginning to warm their hearts and turn them back to me. Those who have been cold and hardened against the truth of God, they're starting to hear again. Their hearts are starting to be warmed again and turned because this is really what it's all about. If there's any hope for any kind of restoration in our relationships, the first turn that is going to take is always the turn back to him. It will always be the turn back to him first. Always, always. There's no hope of love apart from him. It has to turn back to him first. It's time for a new chapter. It's time for a new chapter. And dare I say, a love chapter a love chapter. There may be things that you're hoping for in the natural, in ways of love. Maybe it's relational. Maybe it's marriage. Maybe it's a restoration of a marriage. Maybe, maybe it's, it's something between a husband and a wife. Whatever that is. But I'm telling you, the chapter that God is wanting to start is the love chapter with him. That's the chapter. That's the new chapter that he's writing. Glory to God. His love and his kindness is what draws us to repentance, to a place of saying, God, you know what? I've tried it my way. I've tried it my way, but I want a new chapter. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Turning Point Church. To stay connected, we invite you to
0: subscribe to this podcast and follow us on social media. If you're in the Middle Tennessee area, we'd love for you to join us for a Sunday or midweek service. God bless you and have a wonderful week.